Welcome to the Lift As You Climb podcast, where it's all about the journey and the joy of discovering who you are now, deciding who you want to become, and embracing your genuine identity, influence, and impact. In each episode, we'll explore how life's experiences have prepared us for what we choose to do next and how to create our encore, write our own script, and star in the next stage of our lives. I'm your host, your Encore Strategist and Transformation Catalyst, Isabel Alexander. Welcome, everyone. And today, I know I say this all the time, like I think this is going to be my favorite interview, but... I already really think that this one has uh, some very special status because I love the fact that meeting Lisa and learning with her through her has allowed me to really be the student and admit I know so very little about different ways and different opportunities that you and I can make a difference and lift as we climb and have an impact out there in the world in ways that we don't even realize are possible yet. Today with my guest, Lisa Billadeau, we're going to explore a couple of the ways, and trust me, she has more than a few activities and ways that she is lifting and climbing. So welcome to the podcast, Lisa, and thank you. Thank you so much, Isabel. I'm so happy to be here. Happy to chat with you and have people listening to this and hopefully take some inspiration coming out of this on how capable every person is to do lots of things. It's just the best part of making friends and hanging out with people that inspire me is that I get to learn from them and with them and really enjoy that education because there's never anything better than hanging with a really cool girlfriend. <laughs> I, I love that too. I, speaking of girlfriends, I was very fortunate after moving back from the United States, been in the U.S. for about a dozen years, came back repatriated to Canada, and a friend welcomed me back and said, by the way, you've been away for a while. I think you need to meet some really cool people I'd like to invite you to come as a guest to a group that I belong to. It's a giving circle. And I think you're really going to like this. And I thought, what's a giving circle? I don't know. But that was the beginning of meeting Lisa at 100 Women Who Care Burlington. And rather than me convoluted, I'm going to ask Lisa to explain What's a giving circle? And what does 100 Women Who Care Burlington do right now to make a difference? Yes, it's it was wonderful to meet you there and get connected. And I have to say, giving circles are amazing for so many reasons. But one of them is the connection to people, meeting new like-minded individuals, but who might be very different than you and have different worlds than you basically circle in. So it widens your own network and circle of people. Giving circles have been around for a long time, but they've really become prominent in news and sharing with people in the last five years or so. Basically, a giving circle 
is literally just a group of people that are getting together to pool their resources. Could be money, could be things, could be time towards something. It doesn't have to be super organized or it can be. The group that we were a part of together is 100 Women Who Care Burlington. And this is an initiative that's been across North America and now into other countries for about 10, 12, 15 years, somewhere in that range. And basically, the premise is very simple, which is wonderful. And how it's simple is why I first got involved, is that we, as our women's group, meet four times a year for one hour meeting. That's it. Very simple. And what we do is the members have committed to donate to a charity of choice. And how we get to that point is the members nominate charities that serve our community. So this is the part that's really exciting to me, too, is that when you do a giving circle that's directed to your community, you learn about your community. You meet people from your community. All these national and provincial and state organizations are amazing and they need our help. But this is really grassroots at the level where you are. So when our members nominate charities, we do a draw. So it's a luck of the draw. We choose three. The nominating member can bring the charity partner with them to present. They only present for five minutes. And trust me, they're not writing a grant. It's a very simple nomination form. We're trying to take out all the extra stuff that charities need, often have to do to jump hoops to raise money, make it simple. And then the group votes on the charity of choice for that night. And then every member donates their $100 per meeting is what it is, or you can do it in teams to the chosen charity. So the goal is that at the end of the night, that charity gets $10,000 if you have 100 women or if you have 150 women, $15,000, whatever it is for the number of people you have in the group. And that's an incredible impact. And we get to learn about all these people. You're absolutely right. The benefit of being part of a giving circle like the one that I am with you is that I'm meeting people I haven't met yet. We have something in common to start with. We are interested in giving back and making a difference. But we're all coming from different backgrounds, different professional experience, different ages. I loved this opportunity to be first virtually when we were not meeting in person, but now in person to make new friends and they're already vetted because I know they have a good heart. And I love the fact that I, as I say, new in this community after being away a long time, got to know what was going on, what was happening in the heart of the community, what organizations were serving, what needs, what populations. And really, for me, I should be paying you more because I just feel so good about participating in this, even when I don't have a huge bank account. I'm not Melinda mm. Gates. So knowing that my money added to the rest of the people in the group really has a meaningful impact that week. And I think that's awesome. Absolutely. This is the other thing is that a lot of people talk about charity and the things that they might be connected to. But really, anything that we do that is the act of giving back, promoting the welfare of others is philanthropy. And oftentimes people think of this idea of a philanthropist as a Melinda Gates or something. No, a philanthropist is a kid who puts together a lemonade stand 
to raise money for something. A philanthropist is somebody who gathers their clothing together, extra clothing and stuff, and they donate it to a thrift store or to a compassion society or whatever. Philanthropy is anything that is empowering other people who have needs. And that's really what we are at our heart. So we in this particular giving circle have chosen dollars to be able to connect to them, but we don't want the dollar amount to impede or anyone from joining us, which is why we also have teams. So it's either one member is $100, they donate four times, or you can have a team of two, 50 bucks each time, or a team of four, 25 bucks each time. Also, if you're under 30, you can do $50 or a group of 25. We don't want to make there be impediments to joining that because people are often choosing donations. But like you said, it's this impact together is incredible. Everyone uses something to help others, even when we may not recognize it. So this is a part where if somebody's thinking, hey, I'm not sure what I can do. I don't know that I know enough people or I don't have the money or maybe I'm not skilled in that. Listen, everybody has time, talent, treasure, testimony or ties that they can use. Those are really the main T's of philanthropy, right? Time, you're researching about something, you're connecting with other people, you're volunteering perhaps, you're taking stuff somewhere. Talent, you are skilled in something so you can help somebody, help a group, help an organization, help one person, whatever your skill is there, right? Walking alongside somebody. Your treasure can be money, can be things. Your testimony is, is basically things like this, sharing about the organizations or the places you hear or the people who have needs with others. Hey, this is also one of the things that's amazing in a giving circle is this network. We walk away and we tell our friends, we tell our family, hey, I heard about this group. I had no idea this even existed. I didn't even know this was a problem here. And then somebody else says, oh, I have something else I can give to that group. I have a connection. I have a resource. I have an item. It's more than just the money. And that's where our ties are, right? Where we really connect to people as well. And those are all very important for all of us. They're part of how I live my life. But honestly, I think most people actually live their life with those things too. They might just not recognize it. How fabulous are you that you make us aware that we are philanthropists already. Yes. And that there are more ways to make a contribution than to write a big check. Absolutely. I, I love this perspective. And that's a whole purpose behind this podcast, Lisa, is to give people ideas and give them the courage and, and sort of the impetus on where to start and how to start. And if I understand, did you correctly, anybody could start their version of a giving circle? A hundred percent. If you know, let's say, for example, you're a bunch of moms who are at your kid's hockey event every week. You're sitting, you're watching the game, you're chatting together. And one of you knows of a family that needs um, new hockey equipment, can't afford it. Mm -hmm. All the women, all the moms there, perhaps dads, sorry, could be uh, whatever, parents sitting there, grandparents, they could decide, hey, we're going to pull our money together. We're just going to give 20 bucks or something and gift this family to give them a need. That is a giving circle. One shot, done. 
It's literally that easy. Now that, of course, I said was a monetary thing, but any kind of stuff, that's what that is. You can make it as organized as you want or not. It's basically pooling your resources together to make an impact. Wow, this is really great because it's opening up for me. I I grew up on a farm in Western Quebec. It was very common. It was just a way of life there that the neighbors would get together if somebody was putting up a new barn or if there was an illness and they needed people to take off the crop. One of my favorites was as a child standing, observing women gathered around a quilting frame having a quilting bee and the finished beautiful work of art was donated to be raffled to raise money for something. So see where you're going here. We don't have to just put it in a little box. No. It has to have a registered charitable 501c whatever kind of thing. Correct. Um, That there are other ways and don't let anything stop you from giving. That's the wonderful thing too. It's like, Giving is is what you have at the moment, and it constantly changes based on your stage of life, your interests, and what you're capable of. So, for example, I'm involved in several volunteer endeavors, and that's great. But part of the reason I am in that now is I'm actually disabled, but I'm in a very good health place. I was in advertising for 20 plus years and loved my job. It was very demanding, exciting, everything. And then I discovered through a series of tests and being very ill, that I have lupus. So lupus is an autoimmune disease and it's systemic. So basically I can't turn it off and something triggered it, usually stress-related. So some significant events in my life. And what my body does is it produces all these extra antibodies that then my body um, thinks, oh, they're like antibodies like a virus, you know, like when you have the flu or you get COVID or something and it, it wants to attack them. The only thing is that those antibodies are actually not bad and my body attacks itself. So it attacks my organs, so my lungs, my heart, skin, other stuff. So it's pretty shitty, to be honest. It's not a great thing. And I'm much better about it now. But in getting that, it stopped me cold. I had to give up my career. I had to stay at home. I had to basically make my job every day was to stay alive. And that was really hard, really hard. So when I was doing that, I couldn't participate in groups. I didn't get to participate in family events. I literally had to see doctors and specialists and get medication and teach myself and figure out advocacy. And I got amazing people and that's great and I got better. So during that time, I couldn't give of myself in other ways, right? We all have periods in life where shit happens. Or, you know, you've got young kids at home or you're helping with aging parents or you're moving and making a major life change. What, you know, what have you. As I got better and healthier and I tried to go return back to that work life, it's not conducive for my illness to be able to be in that crazy setting. So I realized I couldn't do that. And so I am permanently disabled. I have some mobility issues, a lot of pain and stuff. So I love having Zoom calls like this is great. But I realized as I got healthier, well, I couldn't do some of those other things I had done before. I could now invest my time in the volunteer endeavors that I'm a part of. So I have a couple of three different things that I'm involved in, but all of them, I do the majority from home. So I work with who I am and what I have access to. This is so appropriate for my audience. It's not appropriate that 
you have to go through this difficulty, but how you've risen above it and lifted yourself, actually, I guess is that in our vernacular. Most of my audience are baby boomers who are in that transitional period of their life. They are reinventing. They are, and I wrote the book, literally, I published Mm -hmm. for my 65th birthday, Who Am I Now? Feminine Wisdom Unmasked and Uncensored. And so this is exactly the message that what we did before and how we did it and how we thought we were valued in the world continues to change as we continue to evolve and grow. And it's up to us to seize that and to figure out, I'm not saying it's easy, right? Oh, no. I'm not, you know, making light of that, but it's a, it's a choice. You made a choice. Mm-hmm. You wanted to find a different way to lead a robust, fulfilling life. And judging by the beauty behind you, your art and the smile on your face, you have succeeded. This, uh, as you and I talked off air before we started the interview, I have a fondness and you have a fondness for the letters PH. In your case, philanthropy. And in my case, fuck. Fuck Lupus. Oh, 100%. But, but uh, thank you. Fighting it and winning. Well, yeah. And I feel like I'm winning today, which is amazing. But I have to tell you, like, just even on the ways that I'm doing so much better than I was, there are days where I swear all day long and other days where I cry all day long. Like we, we all have that and those are valid and important. The struggle that I had, and I think this really relates to what you're saying about particularly your audience here. I felt so much purpose in my career and I loved it and I did find purpose. And suddenly when I had to stop, not by my choice, especially, although I feel like it would be similar, especially as you retire, it is your choice, but it's such a massive change. I struggled to find my purpose. And even when I was very ill and my purpose literally was to stay alive and get better, that was my purpose. And I had to think about it like this is my job because otherwise I was feeling so lost and unworthy. (laughs) And I, so now I feel so much more purposeful in these philanthropy endeavors that I have. But I also remind myself all the time, I'm not defined by that. I still have purpose being me. It's hard sometimes to remind myself, but I do. This is where I can also be thankful for the journey in my life. So, well, well, I agree. Absolutely. Fuck lupus. Mm-hmm. But I'm thankful for the process that I've been through for it because it still makes me who I am. And one of the things that's come out of that is I actually am on the board. I'm a director at large for Lupus Ontario, which is a charity advocating for lupus warriors. We raise money for research, very significant research. We have support groups. We have lupus clinics we support, public awareness and advocacy, basically. And I joined that just in the last year, and I am using my marketing skills. So I'm getting back into the communication and marketing that I love. Um, But I am with, again, like-minded people who understand my journey, my process, and I be able to advocate with them to lift other lupus warriors up, 
to walk alongside them while they're unwell, to hear and learn from their stories. They lift me up. I hear about their stories or I'm learning something new all the time from people. I love, love, love that I can be part of that group. And I love that I can be on meetings in my bed. Like, because let's just be real. Accessibility of having virtual meetings is incredible. COVID sucked totally. Some amazing things came out of the time and accessibility for technology for those of us that are disabled or have mobility issues, something incredible. So some days I'm at my desk and I'm doing great things and I'm moving around. And other days I'm in bed all day. And if I take a meeting, hey, that's how it is. Always look at least okay. I love that fact because it's raining and kind of crappy here today where we are. For everybody listening, we're in Burlington, Ontario, Canada, and we're having a very mild winter, but it's a wet and kind of yuck one. And I was thinking, I wanted to stay in bed today, but I knew I had to get up because I wanted to talk to you. He could have done it. I just recently had this conversation with one of my guests where she said, you know, the P that would happen, the P for pandemic that happened, Mm. which we thought was the most awful thing while we were in it, or many of us did, really gave us more focus on two more important Ps, and that's passion and purpose. Absolutely. And I thought, well, you are right. Of course, I'm kind of Pollyanna, another P. I'm looking for, I will dig to find that pony in the pile of horseshit. I won't give up till I find it. Amazing. So I love that. No, hey, you're welcome to it, please. You reminded all of us that there are more ways to be a philanthropist than just having a bank account with zeros in it. You said time and talent and treasure and ties. And I was just thinking what you're doing now with Lupus. I'm sorry, what is the organization called? Lupus Ontario. Lupus Ontario. Your talent is making such a significant difference there. So that's fantastic. Yeah, I'm really loving it. And I am getting quite a bit out of it as well. I think that's the interesting thing too, right? Anytime we choose to do something to lift up someone else, again, in a small way or a big way, whatever it is, we often get so much back. So we're not necessarily doing it for that, but we get so much back. We get connections. We get lifted. We're climbing. Basically, that is it all the time. And then sometimes we do that to get lifted because we need the lift, right? And that's not bad because again, everybody's kind of going together. And I love that, you know, I... Uh, can bring some knowledge or experience to something. And then somebody gives me a totally different insight and it makes me think about it differently. Or then they encourage me further. And like that lifting as we climb is huge. And when we are doing things for and with others, we continually keep moving up. You have just um, summed up why I actively pursue opportunities to be a mentor. Because the reciprocity is, you know, it's amazing. It's exponential. I may start out with somebody coming to me saying, could you spend some time with me? Could you teach me? Could you help? Can you guide me? And I end up walking away with a ton of new ideas, new inspiration, new education. You're right. Reciprocity is part of philanthropy as well. I just want to let everybody know, don't worry, I'm going to make sure that in the show links, 
you have all the information for all the organizations and opportunities that we're talking about today. You can get the reciprocity of this experience and go out and do some of these things yourself. Get started, create a group, do something, right? For my, I just want to tell you about one more thing I am involved in because I think this also gives people other ideas. I'm a little free library steward. So what that means is I've created a little library that's on my property at my at the sidewalk right in front of my house. And I fill it with books that people can come by and take free books. In doing this, I created an Instagram and Facebook page for it. I'm an avid reader. So I just started reading and I wanted to expand more what I was reading. So I started this with just a couple ideas of mine and it ended up creating quite a community. I connect with other stewards. I connect with people who are looking to donate or looking to read, or I connect with authors and promote them and that kind of stuff. But one of the greatest joys about it was one of the reasons I decided to do it was I'm at home so much of the time. And I wanted to be able to do something from here and be able to step outside my door because I can go some days and not leave my house if I'm not well or I don't have appointments to get out in and stuff. So I did that. What I found is this incredible community that I didn't expect to find. We launched it during COVID and people started coming. They weren't going other places. They were going for walks. I met new neighbors I never would have met. I get people dropping off notes with their books and talking about stuff or coming by and engaging with me. I get to see outside my window, people stop by with their dogs and their kids with this little sticker basket and this one family. They come by almost every day just so kids can take one sticker out. And I've gotten to know them and engage with them. And this is the thing is I really thought I was just sharing books with others, but I have gotten so much more from all of these people in this community that I just hadn't anticipated and it's been so fulfilling and so lovely. And again, I don't have to go out there every day. I go out when I have time and I have energy and I engage with people and I love it. But this is something you have probably books in your house you could donate. You probably have items, right? Exactly. Things that you can share with others. Look for these kinds of things because because like public libraries don't take those kind of donations. I love public libraries. Let me be clear. Love, love, love them. Um, But these kind of little boxes and some people have little pantry boxes or care things. Just look for these opportunities around you when you're out walking in your neighborhood or you're driving by somewhere. Look for these little moments of where you might be able to make a difference or partake with those things. You might get those items or things. It makes a huge difference in just our daily world. I already know, Lisa, that I want to ask you to come back again on the show because I think what you're opening up is an opportunity for people to be a little more creative and have a broader perspective on philanthropy and giving back because there are just so many different ways. So to the audience, I invite you to please flood my email hello at theencorecatalyst.com with ideas or maybe something you've seen that, you know, went, oh, maybe someday I should do that. Or gee, my neighbor's doing this. Whatever it is, let's get a library together of ideas of how we could all use what we've got. Like you said, use our time, use our talent, use our treasures, use our ties and make this world a better place because God knows 
there's been a lot of reasons to think the planet should implode. <laughs> yes. But you know what? I don't believe that's true. Mm-hmm. I think that's what we are fed by the media because it sells more advertising. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I love marketing and advertising. It runs in my blood too. But what I would like to hear is more of the good things that are happening, the good deeds mm-hmm. that are being done and to lift people's spirits. So there's another way of lifting, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I had intended to ask you what philanthropy means to you. I think we kind of indirectly got that, but is there anything else you'd like to add to that, your thoughts on what is philanthropy for you? I think I have covered most of that, but there's just one aspect that I think would be important for people to think about. And it's more about modeling it for young people, especially. When you model excitement for giving back and you're talking about it with your family and friends, it helps set the stage for lifelong philanthropy. So the more, and again, you can start at any point in your life, right? And again, I think everybody has started. You just don't recognize it that way. When you model that, the younger people are who start doing things to help others, more it continues for the rest of your life. And that's very important. It's partly why I'm involved. My mother, my aunt, my grandmother really modeled this giving back idea. My sister does. And it was through organizations and churches and friends and If somebody needed a meal, there was always a place at our table. Just seeing that, it made sense that I would just do it because to me, it was just a part of who you are. I'm so glad you brought that up because you flooded me with the memory of my mother. Didn't matter what time in the meal it was happening. If somebody else arrived, she always could make room. She always had enough food and were welcome to stay and eat as many meals as they needed. You're right. It's an attitude that can be cultivated at an early stage, an age, never too late, never too late to do it. So I like to say you're not starting from scratch, you're starting from experience. Yes, that's great. Absolutely. Yeah. And by your examples, we all have a lot of experience and resources through our lifetime education, careers, and connections that if you really think about it, wow, you got a lot from which to well, draw on. And everybody has value. Everybody has something in them to contribute to someone else. So if you are listening and you think that, what could I do? What could I give? Who am I? You are you. You are valuable. You have value to share with others. Every single person does. I love you. You are a new light in my life. And today I learned you have a lot of watts shining brightly, (laughs) touching a lot of darker corners and and lighting them up. So thank you for that, Lisa. I'd like to, I think, Give our audience some time to absorb this and start to think about, what have I got already to work with? And then I'd really love to have you come back and let's continue this conversation of 
about creating what I hope is a tsunami effect of good philanthropy in the world. I don't think there's any bad philanthropy, is there? I don't know. No, I don't think so. I'd love to come back. Thank you. Thank you so very much. So don't forget, everybody, the show notes follow. And I just feel touched and blessed. Thank you. Thank you for spending this time with me. I hope our conversation added value to your day and expanded your vision for your legacy and impact. Please join me in increasing my impact and expanding my reach to even more people by sharing this episode on social media with friends and leaving a review on Apple iTunes, Spotify, or channel of choice. To catch all the latest from me, subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Connect with me and others in our community Facebook group, The Lift As You Climb Movement, where you can engage, be inspired by, and grow with a tribe of like-minded people. As I evolve as a podcaster and spokeswoman for collaboration and economic empowerment, your input and feedback are especially important to me. I welcome your suggestions and questions to hello at theencorecatalyst.com. Until we meet again, please remember your success may be the foundation for someone else's. Together, we can raise success ladders around the world. Thank you.